0: of separation. And you know, times are changing. Consciousness is shifting and our world is going through dramatic breakdowns and breakthroughs. So how do we navigate this change? Understanding the process of alchemy is good medicine for that rational mind that wants to keep us boxed in the familiar experiences of the past and a reality based in duality, fear, and separation. Our guest today suggests that alchemy means altering the frequencies of our thoughts to change how we perceive and interact with the world and begin to experience a new higher level of consciousness. To master alchemy, he says there are new energy tools and new emerging capacities, and we are going to dig into that conversation today. I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. Jim Self is an international teacher, speaker, and author who has been leading seminars on personal energy management and the tools of mastering alchemy for almost 30 years. He's a spiritual teacher who has kept pace with the ongoing shift in human consciousness. Welcome, Jim.
1: Hi, Julie. It's delightful to be here with you.
0: Delightful to have you, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation as I look at this book in front of me, A Course in Mastering Alchemy. There's absolutely no way that we can talk about What's in here from cover to cover? It's so immense and so rich and so dynamic. So, thank you for writing this book and contributing to the conversation of consciousness through this. But I know we can talk about some and I'm looking forward to it. But first, Jim, I have a traditional first question here on the show that I always look forward to asking our guests to kind of get us set in this higher field of consciousness and and this meme that we're, we're bringing in through the show. So would you share with our guests, what does all things connected mean to you?
1: Well, it's as simple as there is no separation, but that statement is for most too simple because we are constantly in a relationship with time, meaning most of our attention is in the past and or is in the future. And so very seldom do you get into a, a moment, a, a second, an instant, a perception of right now, present time, where that sense of all things connected can become experiential and have an awareness to it.
0: Mm, thank you. Thank you for that. I really appreciate you bringing in that concept of time. And, and I really appreciate uh, over the years with this question, when we talk about all things connected, it's almost like we don't have to even define it anymore or describe it. It's like um, that all things, there is no separation. And so we don't even have to prove that anymore. It's so exciting to really bring this new way of experiencing the world to our listeners. But you're right, we get caught in time, we get caught in the third dimension. You write so much about here. Before we dig into that, which I think is a great place for us to start, I first would like to give our listeners just a little bit more about you and your story. You have a fascinating um, story about being a child and really remembering where you went and the adventures you had during sleep. And so I'd love for you to Tell us a little bit about that and then how this has developed over your lifetime as an adult and what brings you to this moment in writing this book, *A course, in Mastering Alchemy.
1: Sure. You know, it starts with that little soft spot on top of the baby's head. And that little soft spot is that infant, that child. Staying connected to all that is in the process of coming into a physical form and beginning to play this game called third dimensional uh, separation, duality, fear, etc. And so that child basically begins to perceive. It, it doesn't understand in words and it doesn't understand in language. It simply perceives and begins to be aware of itself in this point. This instant of time for itself. And as it perceives, it begins to adapt to the surroundings. And at that point, it begins to become aware of a different consciousness than it has been previously playing in. And that different consciousness in the simplest terms is mom, dad, teacher, minister. And the mom, dad, particularly at that point, Begin to start to say, I love you and I want the best for you and I'm going to give you my best. In other words, I'm going to create you in my image and this is how it works. We do this, we don't do this, etc. And that child begins to make a decision as to where it is and it starts to engage with this physicalness and begin to absorb it and perceive it, and that soft spot on top of the head simply closes up. And so you are now, in a manner, disconnected, playing in this reality, but you have an awareness of where you came from. And at some point, as you begin to play, the mom, dad, teacher, minister start to say to you, stop doing that. That's not how this works. There's nobody sitting at the little tea table with you that you keep talking to. And that blanket that you keep carrying around and that little doll or that clown, really, it's not important. You need to grow up. And so what happens at that point is we make a real fundamental decision that's not conscious to us. We begin to perceive With our sensory system, rather than the spiritual sensory system of clairvoyance, clairaudience, telepathies, clairsentience, transmediumship, all of the things that you know how to navigate. And you basically make a decision. I'm not going to pay attention to these things. I'm going to play the game of the world. It's a great game, the game of the world. But that's where things start to happen. In my reality, I didn't cut those things off. I kept them. However, I did that. I'm not quite sure other than it's been very contributory to the path that I've played and the place that I get to teach from right now.
0: So Jim, when were you aware of that you didn't cut that off? That you had these, this gifts and these this different way of knowing and and staying in your clairvoyant, your clairaudient, your clair, your clairnostic. You know, when, how did you know that? When did you know that? And what was that like growing up?
1: Well, it was challenging in some ways because you, I didn't distinguish it. I thought everybody did that. Mm-hmm. And you know, when people fell down and got hurt for some reason they came to me and I would put my hands on them and they would feel better and go away. It was just how it was. And it was how it was until we went to high school and in the high school basically then had two other small towns going to the same high school. And so people started to mix and match in different formats and, and people stopped coming. And it was just something that was no longer was no longer done as a kid. I was, uh, challenged as lots of kids are challenged that, that still have their spiritual abilities turned on. And I would know answers to things and then get uh, a bad grade on a test because I just put the answer in the long division problem. I didn't do the work. And it was always amazing to me that I'd get called for it and get a bad grade. And yet the answer was the right answer and, and nobody would say, how did you do that? So it's one of those things where a lot of people have challenges navigating the physicalness of the world and still having that sense of connection turned on. Particularly there's in the heart, there is this internal guidance system that everybody knows, but most playing the game don't, pay much attention to anymore. It's that place where everybody steps up to the edge of the cliff and says, jump, but something inside, it's not fear. It just says, no, I don't think so. Not this time. And on another day, everybody steps away from the edge of the cliff and you say, watch this and you jump and you fly. And so that internal guidance system is perfectly attuned to A let's call it not right or wrong. Let's call it an appropriate choice in the moment that guides you in the point that you're standing in relationship to your environment. And most of us don't pay much attention to that. Everybody knows it. But what we've come to do is uh, put our attention in the external world go to the external world for our validation, our approval, our safety, our sense of connectivity. And as that happened, we basically stopped, in a way, trusting our own guidance system.
0: Hmm. Jim, thank you for that response. And as a child, growing up with that, um, it's not easy. So many kids who have these gifts at a young age or or a near-death experience, other ways of that sense of connection still turned on, go through a real lonely world, and it's it's very different and and difficult.
1: Well, it's not only lonely and difficult. There's one other skill that really uh, an awful lot of people have that is confusing and challenging and creates some real challenges in their reality. And it's that second chakra. And that second chakra has a very specific skill set. It's a little sonar system that sends out a pulse and it asks a very specific question. It says, what is that feeling? And that sonar bounces off of everybody. And says, mad, glad, sad, happy, whatever it may be. And you have a sense of your environment in a, in, from a feeling sensation. But an awful lot of people grew up in dysfunctional families, dysfunctional school systems, awkwardness between people. And so the mom, dad, teacher, minister have a tendency to say they want you to grow up well and happy, but they have a tendency to constantly tell you you're not okay. Here, let me give you a gift. You're stupid. You're not attractive. You don't fit. You're never going to be smart. You're not going to succeed. And what we do is we accept that gift. It doesn't feel very good. We don't know what to do with it. And then the next question we ask is, what's wrong with me? Uh, What did I do wrong? But in that process of getting to that place, that second chakra all of a sudden becomes challenging because it gives you a sense of trust in terms of, I mean, it works perfectly. What is that person over there feeling in their space? And how do I engage with that? But when you get knocked off balance by that mom, dad, teacher, minister, you begin to distrust it. And then you start to change the question and changing the question really becomes, what is that feeling about me? Do they what do they think of me? And pretty soon the person who's angry over there in their own space, the individual begins to think they're angry at me. And so this is a place where you watch spiritual people growing up become hiders. They withdraw. They retreat. They become somewhat invisible. They disengage. And that's one of the messages to a lot of people that it's not about you. The It's really about perceiving the world and recognizing it's not about you.
0: Mm. What would you say? There's so many kids being born with these innate gifts now that are turned on and, and staying on. And so many adults are going through this awakening on the planet and our, our planet is waking up. What would you say to those who, the, the younger ones, or to these adults who literally are raising those young ones now? What advice would you give them about staying connected and turned
1: on as a child? Well, there's a there's a a bigger backstory to that, but let me answer your question. So first, these kids that basically started coming in at the time of the Harvonic Convergence in 1987, they're wired differently. And they, to a great extent, are what we're calling millennials today. But at the time, we were calling them indigos and blue rays and rainbow kids and all kinds of labels. And the sense of uh, the waves of these kids coming in Dealing with levels of fear because that's what they came in to shatter some of these very early levels of fear They became the effect of what we call autism So they really got hit hard coming into the body and at the same time these kids are all wired differently than those that are let's say 45 and over and so There's a lot of combinations of things to the answer to your question. But for the most part, the kids that have been coming in in the 90s and very much after the year 2000 and absolutely after the year 2012, they are completely different. The kids coming in today, uh, you know, they look human, they function human, but they don't come from the same categories that people playing in the third dimensional game have come from before they are they're different. they're They're exceptionally wonderful, the majority of them. Uh, but one of the things about these grouping of kids is many of them don't have experience. They haven't played the human game uh, to the level that people maybe over forty five have played the human game. I'm just drawing an arbitrary line there. And they, are excited, they're intelligent, they're capable, they're very technologically oriented, but they don't have experience in many areas. So they all just create for the sake of creating without a sense of um, tempering or observing what the, count, what the results of the creations will be. And that's where this whole level of artificial intelligence is moving, and that's another subject. But it's very fascinating what's in the process of happening.
0: Mm. Well, you give a, a really a nice history, a nice orientation to the reader in the book of of what's happened, and in t- talking about creation itself, and and us as creators. So, thank you for that. I'm going to encourage our listeners to really go out and and get this book and read that the backstory in more depth, because it is really helpful of looking at us as co-creators on this planet. And we talk about the the different dimensions and realms, but let's, let's ground this in this conversation. Now there's the entire world is going through this transition. We're going through this shift of consciousness on the planet. Things are changing and we're kind of like watching and holding several multidimensional Um, realms at the same time. I I was just having a conversation the other day um, with just yesterday that sometimes it feels like um, we have this rock and roll um, music playing at the same time that this beautiful classic music's going and we can't make sense out of anything. It's like we're trying to sort through this third dimension and the fourth and the fifth. So let's talk about that. What's going on in your opinion, from your perspective on the planet? And how do we navigate
1: this? So let's call the third, fourth, and fifth dimension boxes for just simple terminology. There, Each one of these boxes has rules and structures to it. It's the game and simply they're games. And in the third dimensional box, there are specific structures that allow us to play in that. The prominent structure in the third dimensional box is something that virtually people playing third dimension never even challenge, never even have a consideration of, and that's time itself. So what we perceive in third dimension is time is fixed, it's past, present, future, and then you die, end of discussion. That's how it works, there's nothing else to it. But in fact, there are five different configurations of time that we could talk about right here. Time is an application. It is not a fixed concept. So in the third dimension, what happens when you play in that linear timeline, you have a tendency when you watch people in 3D, people walking on the sidewalk outside, they basically live in the past and in the future. Very little is in the present time moment. The past is basically, uh, they told me if I would do this in the future I would be successful, or I didn't like what happened, it wasn't really good, I hope it doesn't bite me in the butt in the future. And so you are constantly in your daytime paying attention to what the external world has to say about you, and it's basically tempered by what you've done in the past or what you believe is gonna be happening in the future. In the third dimension, some of the other aspects are, the third dimension is conditional. In the third dimension, there is nothing unconditional. The third dimension is structured in duality separation, and in that process, emotions were created and the predominant one is fear. And so we navigate in this third dimensional space. We very seldomly get into present time in the third dimension, but present time does not have choice. Present time is reactionary, as in, oh, my God, this wasn't supposed to happen. You're in present time, but you're in a reactionary state. There's a couple of other pieces to this, but basically it is mostly all about paying attention to the external and living based on the externals shoulds and shouldn'ts, goods and bads, rights and wrongs. You also simultaneously live in a fourth dimensional box, and that is a place where there's kind of three configurations that are prominent here. One is in fourth dimension, which we are talking in right now because it's present time. It's only present time. We're not really talking about dinner last night or what we're going to do tomorrow for breakfast. We're right here. In present time, you have choice. You can choose between, yes, I like that, or no, I don't like that. In third dimension, you don't have choice. You have reaction. You're playing in both dimensions simultaneously, and that fourth dimension is getting much bigger. But the word that makes, that allows the transition to come about is an odd word in its paradox which simply means what was true a minute ago or what was false a minute ago may not be true or false right now. So when you look at the third dimension where she is always going to be dishonest, he is never going to tell the truth. They are never going to be acceptable, Will never. they'll never change. In always and never, it's pretty rigid structuring. It doesn't have mobility, fluidness, flexibility to it. It doesn't have paradox. The ability to allow that person who stole from you 10 years ago in high school to show up on your front porch and you say, I recognize you, fourth dimension, in fifth dimension, how can I be of assistance? I remember you. Third dimension, I know you get off my porch, no room for conversation. So a person going through this transition right now which is an enormous shift from third dimension to fifth dimension one of the real characteristics to it is you cannot take your baggage with you on this journey you can't take i'm not okay i don't deserve i'm not attractive i'll never fit they don't like me you cannot step into a fifth dimensional space with that baggage you never get kicked out of the fifth dimension the fifth dimension is all about well-being, beauty, graciousness, dignity, respect, appreciation, laughter, gratitude. It's the place where there words like safety and trust don't even exist in the fifth dimension because there is nothing unsafe or anything to distrust. So and fear is not a vibration that functions in the fifth dimension. So this is a place where we're starting to see this transition, and when you look at the external world, you're watching tremendous changes everywhere in, the, in the, and the changes are really moving to a state of well-being. But there's an awful lot of people whose status quo is being disrupted, and they don't know what to do, and it's generating more fear. And so you're watching this kind of clumsy but really amazing transition that's happening really quickly compared to linear time itself.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you. That's a, a great foundation for us to l- look at these dimensions and, um, you have so much more to say on this, you know, dimensions aren't a physical place with form and structure that defines something. And we're not going from point A to point B in linear fashion that so many people imagine. So I'm going to end this half. We're going to go to a break and take just a few minutes um, break here, but I'm talking with Jim Self, author of A Course in Mastering Alchemy. I'm going to leave you with a quote because we're gonna talk so much more about these dimensions when we return. Dimensions are states of consciousness that are available to anyone who vibrates in resonance with the specific frequencies inherent within each dimension. We're gonna go into that fifth dimension when we return. We'll be right back.
1: Hey mateys! Welcome to the ocean! I've sailed the seven seas a hundred times and found something I like even more than me treasure. Tis the ocean, beautiful and clear. Right now I'd be sailing over the Great Barrier Reef. It just shivers me timbers, thinking of all the fish and coral below me. Wait, what's that floating by? A plastic bag! black bears eye patch, that's disgusting. Why did you know that many of these things come from folks throwing them carelessly on the ground? It'd be true. Lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. Boys, get the plank ready. Somebody's gotta dive in and get that bag. Any volunteers? Uh, know, All right, fine. I'll do it myself. Cannonball! Find out what you can do to help keep the oceans healthy at KeepOceansClean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council.
0: Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. <laughs> Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m.
1: For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org
0: slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. make sure the air in your home is healthy for your family to breathe make sure you test your home for radon it's easy just call 866-730-GREEN make it green 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 a
1: message from the US EPA. positive radio for a better life thank you for listening to empower radio
0: now back to the dr julie show all things connected on empower radio Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and even listen to it. Again, you can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation and good of the whole at goodofthewhole.com. I'm here today with author Jim Self. He wrote a course in Mastering Alchemy, Tools to Shift, Transform, and Ascend. And welcome back to the second half, Jim. Right before the break, we were talking about these states of consciousness. And I want to thank you. Um, Your contribution to this conversation of adding this definition of dimensions is really helpful to people. So often, um, people were under this perception, which comes from 3D, right? This yes. perception mm. that literally something amazing was going to happen. You know, birth 2012 is going to happen. The ascension is going to happen. We're, gonna, we're going to 5D and that means something radically different, like I'm not going to be in my body anymore. I'm not going to be. And there's so many illusions and perceptions about what this really means of moving from 3D, 4D, and 5D. And so thank you for adding the, to the conversation that dimensions are states of consciousness. And right before the break we talked about this status quo being disrupted. So, let's talk a little bit more about moving into the fifth dimension and what that really what that's like experientially for those who are really stabilizing there now.
1: So, this fifth dimension again is this state of well-being and It's a vibrational field of consciousness. Now, I can run out those words again, respect, dignity, appreciation, gratitude, and the list goes on and on of that kind of vibration. And the average person would go, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I want. The challenge is that's not what you live. You you can think those words, but what is the very next thought that you think? And in that context, there is a Whole configurations of thoughts that we think that are framed on a foundation of all of the past thoughts that we think that hold ourselves hostage to those thoughts and to those emotions. And so one of the things about transitioning into this fifth dimensional state, it it is ridiculously simple, but it is very challengingly not easy. And the reason is most of us are very much structured in a set of beliefs about this external world that we've grown up in to this particular point. And because we have given up so much seniority, one of those big words in this transition, in terms of allowing other people to condition our belief system, you're not okay because – when somebody is receives that you're not okay, you're stupid, you're fill in the blank, we have a tendency to do something very specific. We basically don't like it. The first thing that happens is we are in a a, a thought occurs, I don't like this. And then immediately drop into the emotional body, and there's a feeling that doesn't feel very good. And then the next thing that we do is we start to – it's as if you begin to wrap a wire around a magnet. I'll explain that in a second. And we say, why did they say that? Is that true? Am I that bad? Am I never going to succeed? And we begin to run this loop of thoughts through our head. Now, where I'm going is thoughts are electrical – and emotions are magnetic. Simple statement, it's an enormous set of pieces of information. So we get handed this, you're not okay, you're not attractive. And we walk around stuck on that for some period of time. I don't feel good, I don't like this, I don't. but really we're saying, I don't know what to do with this. So we kind of make a deal with it and we put it over here in a little box to the side called denial. And I'm not going to pay attention to that. But somehow or another, it doesn't really go away. It keeps kind of pushing on you. So the next thing we do is we say, I'm going to make a deal with you. If you go back here in my backpack out of sight and don't ever come out again in the daytime or in my consciousness, I will never go over there by that person again. So think about it, how many times something has happened to you and you're uncomfortable and you never go visit that place again. You stop talking to that person, whatever it may be. So now you've got a backpack full of I'm not okay's," And you've seen this in your profession where you say hi to somebody and uh, how are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm OK. Well, somehow I'm OK and oh, I'm OK. Don't quite match. And you say to them, and this is the part that where Fifth Dimension becomes possible, you say to them, well, wait a minute, what's going on? And they say, well, my husband-wife died 25 years ago, and I'm sad. Hmm, okay. And you say, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then you say, well, I understand you went to dinner last night. How was that? Oh, it was so wonderful. But wait a minute, what happened to sad? Where did sad just go? So that person is holding on to an emotion from a past moment of experience. And as soon as they put their attention on that past, present time moment, they recall a feeling, an emotion. The thing about emotions are they are only in present time. There are no emotions in the past. You have a memory or an experience and the thought draws an emotion to it. So in that space, as you begin to become conscious of this backpack, and you begin to become conscious that the past is simply a series of events that have occurred in past, present time moments. And they're there for your review to determine how they may be able to assist you taking your next present-time-moment-future-step. But where people get very stuck, in the third dimension is structured this way, is we don't recognize that that mental-emotional body is really meant to be one body. It's in the form of two. And your emotions are created in relationship to your thoughts. And when you hold a thought in the past, you recreate the emotion of the past but if i said to you oh i understand you husband wife died 25 years ago did you have a good relationship with them the emotion of sadness would pretty much go away oh yes it was really wonderful etc so one of the things that's absolutely necessary is that you begin to recognize that you can change your past and you can redirect your future in the present moment. And the emotions that you hold in the body that are tied to thoughts of the past, if you bring them into present time, you realize that it was an experience in the past that may have been traumatic, but the traumatic emotion does not have to be held right here. Now, one more piece. When you begin to recognize that, something very remarkable happens in present time, you start to recognize yourself and many of the thoughts you think and many of the beliefs you hold are not yours. They're mom, dad, teacher, minister loving you and telling you how to. And when you start to get into present time and you begin to recognize the past is simply history without an emotion attached to it, the ability to let go of those memories, those very stuck beliefs that we hold begin to go away very rapidly with an awareness about present time and choice, fourth dimension. Does that make any sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely to me. And I'm thinking about how you're explaining this. And um, I, I just really want to like pause here so that our listeners can make sure that they're getting it too, that they can catch up because what we're talking about here is with the third dimension, it is the time-space continuum. It's duality. It's seeing everything separate. And what we're talking about is really resolving that time-space and ascending into Uh, different frequencies and attuning to a different vibrational frequency of our emotion and our life. And so moving from four into those present moments. And then you talk about the fifth dimension as the state of well-being. I like to look at it as our state of wholeness, this home frequency of who we really are. So um, there's a really good example of moving us From that linear sequential box and game of duality into understanding that if we're attached to that past, we bring ourselves smack dab into that box again. What are some of the tools or strategies that you teach, Jim, in helping us to really stabilize this new state of well-being, stabilize the truth of who we be in our wholeness?
1: let's, Let's treat that word ascension a little even softer. Let's just call it your natural evolution. You're just moving from a place to a place to a place. But one of the things that happens is... There Generally, people do not have a sense of a buffer in their reality, in their space. And what I mean by that is you walk into the office, let's say, and uh, the people in the office are upset with the boss. But you were in a pretty good space when you arrived. And within 10, 15 minutes, you're irritated. And so that irritation of all the others winds up in your space. But there's an aspect, one of the most important tools that are taught, and the book is an outcome of the course in Mastering Alchemy, which is taught, uh, and has now been taught to thousands of people all over the world, and the book is just simply for people who haven't known the course exists. But the tool that is one of the most important is the ability to recognize if you took your hand and stuck it, your arm right out in front of you, and just turned your palm towards yourself, approximately there is the edge of your aura, that energy field that comes with life. And if and it goes all the way around you, over and below you. But basically, if you were to put a point of delineation, and we, we use a mental image picture of a rose because it's simple to play with. If you were to hold a rose or place a rose in your mind right at the edge of your aura, and pulled all of your energy back to your side of the rose and allowed everything on the other side to simply be Shakespeare's theater to entertain you, and you could hold your side of the rose and observe from the center of your head, all of a sudden what's on that other side begins to look very different than how it has been playing out. You start to have words like discernment, You begin to have choice. You are virtually automatically in present time observing and then choosing an action. It's, again, very simple, but it is dramatic in terms of a person's evolution into a fifth dimensional state of consciousness. Just simply, this is me and that's everything else. Now, it's not meant to be separation. It's just meant to be discernment in terms of you beginning to understand you in a transition from a third fourth into a fifth dimensional state does that make any sense
0: yeah and let me just pause here to ask another clarifying question because i think it's important in moving in in the evolution of the states of consciousness of so moving from third fourth fifth um, in your opinion, is it a developmental staging that we go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and we ascend in that order? We are evolving into states, or are we moving fluidly between third and fourth and fifth right now, and kind of playing in all
1: realms? You're playing. You have access to all realms. There's nothing linear. There's nothing linear in the process. You are an individual consciousness aware, becoming conscious of being conscious. The average person walking on the street is unconscious of being unconscious. They basically play the game of this is how I'm supposed to do it. There's an off-balanceness or we make decisions about fitting in to create our comfort. One of the challenges that many of us have on this path, as I watch and play in this game, is we only know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. And that statement very much is directed at the rational mind. The rational mind's job, what you think with, is to keep you safe and have you fit in. That's what it does. And so we are constantly moving around. But one of the challenges to this evolution is in that process of moving around, and many of those of you who are listening, we begin to experience ourselves from what I mean respectfully called horizontal spiritualism. We read a book, we listen to a radio interview, we have a friend, we all of a sudden create friends that agree with us, and we pretty much move around based on, again, what is external information. Instead of getting quiet inside, discerning between the world out there and this space in my heart, and basically beginning to know yourself. So you go back to that internal guidance system. It's very present. I didn't answer part of the question earlier. In my reality, there's also, as in most everybody's, there's a little voice in your head. That's the higher self. And the higher self doesn't play with you when you're in anger, rage, and resentment, but it does play with you when you're happy and you're in beauty. And so you begin to find when you go into yourself the ability to start to recognize that internal guidance system and that internal voice. As you begin to follow it, it starts to allow you to get rid of the I'm not okay and begin to perceive the world that you've been looking at From a point of reference that says i'm in the world but i'm not of this world and it's at that point you begin to realize with numbers of other tools the ability to just simply be quiet in present time begin to another important tool is what vibrations feel good to you words like certain and capable appreciation those are feelings, those are not rational mind thoughts. And so, when you start to stay on your side of the rose and begin to perceive from well being, everything unlike it falls away. It's not complicated, but it's really about beginning to find yourself and allowing that which is out there in transition to be perfectly fine, but it's not my transition. Hmm.
0: I, you do make this really simple if we're tuning into these words and these examples I'm thinking about just that the rational mind in separate self doesn't know what it doesn't know until it knows it um, that's how the rational mind works and yet this higher mind uh, I just posted this actually on Facebook this morning I was pondering and um, posted this very Idea and this the soul knows, and it just knows that it knows, and the knowingness is vast and infinite. And so, even just as we're here listening to these words today, we can attune to that limiting idea of not knowing that comes from that rational mind, and we can experience this limitless beingness of of knowing, and they're very different. And we, we all can, can relate to those two different things.
1: Yes, but can you live those two different things? See, that becomes the mm-hmm. question. Relating is a rational mind consideration. But what happens is, you see, the you are the soul. The soul created you. A well, creator created you, but the soul created you. And the higher self is a Aspect of the soul that is closer to you than the soul is. If we had lots of time, I would explain to you why the soul doesn't even pay any attention to you, because the soul will not come down to where where there is a lack of beauty and well being. The soul will not commiserate with you in your divorce, your failed grade, your failed job, your sense of I'm not okay. The soul won't touch you in those spaces. But when you start to basically recognize you are capable, you are in well-being, you take back your seniority, you start to recognize you have choice in that sense of your presence, commanding your presence. There's no sword. There's no push. There's no force. It's simply this is who I am. Staying on your side of the rose, grounded, center of your head, thinking from the heart, you begin to connect with that higher self. It's in that space that you create choice. And it's in that space that you start to realign yourself. And this is where it gets really interesting because you don't know you don't know. And all of a sudden you get something said to you that says you're a spiritual being and it makes sense. Or something is said to you, this is how you navigate this spiritual space. And it makes sense. What happens is the wires have been disconnected in the fall of consciousness. And all of a sudden you hear something and it's like, oh, I get it. And the wire goes back together and you now know what you didn't know a moment ago. But the fascinating part is you don't remember that you ever did not know at that minute. You start Mm -hmm. to remember yourself, rewire, recreate, remember yourself. And that's what mastering alchemy is all about tools that allow you to perceive a reality from you, on your terms rather than reading a book or listening it to somebody else but never understanding how to integrate it so that a sense of certainty a sense of powerfulness without the sword begins to be a sense of who you've always been that you're now beginning to notice
0: jim is a as a listener of your words and just sitting here witnessing this moment in the present um, presencing if you would, I, I just have to reflect back that even listening to you describing the third dimension and separation your language is much different as you start talking about the fifth dimension the fourth dimension, the fifth dimension and you're talking about the soul and this expansive way you, your your words and your your language, even the mental pictures become more poetic and artistic and yummy. Yes.
1: Yes. You see, this space that I play in, that simply you play in, everybody has the ability to play in. In my reality, it is what you asked about in the beginning. What is all that is in connection with oneness? And so in this space, when you start to hold this fifth dimensional space, there's an aspect in the heart called the sanctuary of the pink diamond. There's an aspect of Christ consciousness. There's an aspect of love of the creator. But there's a room in the heart, and it's structured in a geometry called the tetrahedron. That's another creative part of the play. And there's a table in that room. And it's your table. And it's in that table that the great beings, the Yeshua's and Metatron's and Archangel Gabriel and all of these come to you. See, the game gets shifted when you start to realize everything comes to you. It's not about going out there to find your happiness and approval. It's in this heart space, and when those beings come, you start to merge with them, and you begin to know what they know, and you begin to function as they function. But be very clear, they'll tell you, we know the probabilities, and we know all the possibilities, but you have the body, and it's you who has to transition this third dimension into all that is beginning in the fifth dimension. And it's there you begin to merge with these beings and speak as one from these beings. And so the change in energy, the change in vibration from talking about the third dimension into what's possible in this fifth and multidimensional space is really all about you and who you are and how this transition comes about. And it's about right now in present time.
0: Mm. Beautiful. I, I really appreciate that the beauty that comes with that and and even just talking about, about beauty and and bringing that vibration in, it's, it's like my home language. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that. And we just have a few minutes left, Jim. There's just like two and a half minutes here. If you could just say one thing about this book and about this knowing that you want to impart to our listeners and make sure they, that you leave them with that today, what would that one thing be?
1: Well, let me just set that up, and that is, you know, MasteringAlchemy.com, there is free – our business model is to provide substance, a lot of free substance, things that allow you – if we never see you and you play with these tools, you're going to change. And so, out of that, though, there's this whole journey that is stepping out of this third dimension into the fourth, into the fifth, beginning to put all the bodies back together in one, changing the brain, beginning to build this living light body, which is very accessible, but it's a journey. It's not a two-weekend class with a certificate. It's about knowing yourself. All of this is. And so, the book is a guidance about how the course unfolds. But the Course is a taught course. It's taught by the Ascended Masters, the the Lords of Light, the Archangelics. You have conversations between me and them that is recorded, that is provided as guidance for how to. Try this, what happened? There is absolutely no truth in any of the teaching from the standpoint I'm not teaching you something. All I get to do is point a direction And have you put the wiring back together for yourself. Mm -hmm. This is about you beginning to know you and doing it by choosing to step into these higher vibrational fields. But you cannot take your baggage with you on this journey.
0: Great advice. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim, self-author of A Course in Mastering Alchemy. Thank you for joining us here today. My pleasure. Mm, And I'm going to leave you with another quote from Jim. A new high vibration of love has begun to radiate into the waters of the earth. Every drop of water within all life on this planet today is now growing, radiating and reflecting this Christed light. The third dimension is now falling away. Earth has begun to return to its fully Christed status. It now reflects its vibration of unity back into humanity and all Earth's inhabitants. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Thank you for tuning in with us today. And remember together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.